Thank you for tuning in to Sparks and Honey's Daily Culture Briefing. My name is Ben Gridspan, and today we're going to be looking at culture in the vertical using Q and their new business bets to unpack trends and changes in human behavior. Joining me today as my co-briefer for her very first briefing of 2022. Actually, I believe it's everybody's first briefing of 2022. I'm joined by Devry Velasquez. Good morning, Devry. Good morning. Um, Thank you. And we're also here, uh, we don't have to do uh, individual good morning, so we're also joined by our cast of internal cultural strategy experts, Matt Adams, Danny Thibodeau, and Hannah Jerome. Good morning to you guys as well. Uh, well, I guess it's not technically morning anymore, but uh, it is a delight to see all of you guys. And uh, today we are going to dig into one of our business bets. You saw us talk about it briefly yesterday, and uh, that's going to be audio as a gateway to the metaverse. Now, um, obviously, uh, we released our business bets recently. You can find them just by Googling business bets 2022 and go to the Sparks and Honey page that pops up. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to be focusing on this topic, not this specific topic, but these business bets for the entire month of January, save for a little special programming. Um, but we thought we'd uh, jump in here, and obviously it's 2022, so naturally we have to start talking about the metaverse. But what I think is exciting about this briefing and what's, uh, is that we're, yes, we're going to get to the metaverse, don't worry. But also, it's a bigger question of, of the sense of, of the, the value and all of the innovation going on in immersive technologies. We think so much about immersion as being something that is visual. And what we wanted to push ourselves today to understand is what would happen if we took our sense of augmented reality, of virtual reality, of immersive experiences, and included audio in it because it's so central to how we experience places and uh, uh, you know and 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 all kinds of different spaces. Um, and uh, but we don't tend to think about it when we think about uh, you know augmented reality and virtual reality. So today we wanted to understand kind of what is going on there. What are the new uh, ways in which brands and innovators and even scientists are reimagining immersive audio? A lot of good signals, about 50,000, unsurprising. A lot of stuff on CES, but we are getting to that tomorrow. So we're not going to scoop ourselves. And we'll start here with our zeitgeist map. So unsurprisingly, our top element of culture here is immersive. That's our element of culture where we think about experiences, spaces, uh, restaurants, plays, hotels, uh, that uh, really uh, puts you in, in the experience in a way that is uh, different than before. And I, I'll point out one other one that I think here is really important. I'm actually doing a little report about this for a client, a mixed reality. And this is the idea that um, we're getting better at blending real reality and, uh, and, and constructed reality uh, in the world of technology. Uh, and we're also getting better at it in, in the media, which is sort of worse for society. We love constructing uh, realities now, don't we? Um, Debrie, what else on here is important for us to understand today's conversation? What might surprise some people? And, and what's, uh, what's a good bet for 2022 when it comes to trends? Um, I think just echoing what you said, but in terms of warm tech, just uh, seeing brands learning how to and exploring ways to effectively and seamlessly bridge the gap between that technical and that natural world. I'm excited about the future for that. Love that. I had a very visceral immersive dream this weekend where I was using like an old phone, right? Like a warm tech <laughs> phone, like the one right there, a flip phone. And I don't know, I don't know. It feels, uh, it feels relevant for this. Um, so let's dive into our signals. And as you'll remember from writing papers in high school and college, Sometimes it's best to get a first person source when you're trying to understand a topic. So we thought we'd start right here. Now, uh, this comes from Spotify, from their ad department. Spotify advertising in this signal is telling us the future of ads are interactive and immersive. And the future of that interaction is gonna be really rich in audio. 
Uh, this comes from their press release, quote, um, our research shows that people are more engaged and attentive when listening to Spotify compared to other forms of media, both uh, to the music and to the podcast they're streaming and the ads they hear. A recent survey found that consumers' receptivity to ads on music streaming services and podcasts increased uh, last year, which is very good news for them. Now, they point out there is one ascent, big essential issue that they, that podcasts face, and honestly, that radio has faced really since, you know, the dawn of radio advertising in the 1920s and 30s, um, is that they, you kind of can't break the fourth wall. An ad comes into you when you're listening to something, and it goes on by. And there is no ability to click into it in the way that there is, say, for most of digital media. They have developed a solution to that, though, and they're calling them uh, this new interactive product, CTA cards, which are visual clickable companions to audio ads. Essentially, ads become clickable when consumers are interested and then let them engage later uh, with the ad or through the audio. So you hear an ad, you like it, you double click, it saves that information for later. Those clicks, of course, are a goldmine for advertisers for information. Suddenly, we know what people actually are interested in. Um, and uh, the idea, too, is that it can give a more engaging audio experience, instead of just passively getting the music and the podcast put to you, you may be able to uh, interact with it as well, um, which is really exciting. So Matt, I'm gonna start with you here because I know you got Spotify on some sides. Um, what do you think of this innovation? Uh, will it work for ads or would it maybe make more sense within like the, the, the content of a, of a podcast? You know, like, are we, is this a great for sponsored immersive advertising for, you know, um, for like native advertising, like within a podcast or maybe something that pops up every 10 minutes as you're listening uh, and you get always fed those like underwear and mattress ads. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just, it depends on how personalized the ad experience is. The beauty with podcasting is when you do have an ad there, you, you have the added level of personalization from the person that you're listening to. So True. The person is giving you their own spin on ad language and it feels more connected to the experience that you chose. When it comes to something like digital audio where you're just picking the songs that you want and you get a personalized ad, it's gonna be interesting to see how Spotify will be able to actually uh, work with the advertisers to provide ads that are more specific to the user's needs. Um, yeah. But you also have to deal with the fact that people don't necessarily want to listen to ads. That's why they have premium experiences. So it's always going to be an uphill battle um, when it comes to personalization. Yeah, I'm going to bring Hada in here for a second. Hada, is the issue with ads that they're not immersive enough or that people just don't ever want to listen to them? Well, it's funny. Okay, so if you go back to your comment around radios and podcasts, I agree with Matt and the sense that there is a lot of personalization and a lot of trust with podcasts in a way that there might not have been with radios. And that's not to say like I used to call into radio shows all the time and stuff like that, but things are a little different now. We see ourselves with these podcast hosts. We follow their life journeys. It's like incredibly, um, it's incredibly personalized. And, 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 yeah. um, um, and with that, I think, I think Spotify knows their UX really well. And so I think the two have to complement one another. So that, you know, clickable um, feature on the bottom, that could be great while we're still hearing why the podcast host has chosen, you know, this sponsor in, in a case of a, a podcast host who's really connected to their um, ad brands. Yeah, love that. Um, well, let's move on because I think branding is obviously really important here. And one thing that I'd love to dive into for the next couple of segments is sonic identity because this is going to be key to building out better, richer audio. So Jeffrey, tell us what sonic identity is and um, what it's going to do for the metaverse. 
Yeah, so in the metaverse, we immediately noticed a, a lot of innovation around visual elements. Um, but, you know, audio is hardly mentioned, which is uh, the main reason why we're even having this conversation right now. Um, there's still a huge gap that leads to the potential for disconnection in a future uh, digitized universe that's inevitable. Um, but voice is critical in creating a fully fleshed out persona online or otherwise. Um, you know, as the signal from this signal from TechCrunch recalls uh, that movie in 2013 from Spike Jones called Her, uh, which, you know, really relied on the, <clears throat> sorry, on the um, sultry, uh, sultriness and the emotion from Scarlett Johansson's voice, although we never saw her on screen, it was something that was so necessary for the role um, in really bringing out that persona to life. In the metaverse, this is just, is, it will be just as important. The McGurk effect um, research of the mid-1970s observed cognitive dissonance that resulted from the mismatched audio and visual perceptions. Um, so a virtual environment can feel less real if voice doesn't fully mesh with it. Um, and as the author here states, quote, the drastic incongruence between sound and vision shreds the immersive quality of the experience. Mm -hmm. However, there is a positive way to look at this as an opportunity. Um, in addition to enabling immersion, sonic identity can let players and avatars integrate smoothly into their digital communities without facing uh, the sometimes hostile environments that virtual worlds can become a, a breeding ground for. It, you know, essentially can allow someone to become uh, anonymous in a certain space, which could be safer. So mm -hmm. another potential here is for generating avenues of, of uh, monetization by delivering inclusive and auditory experiences to lure players in. But ultimately in the universe, there should be a harmonious marriage of both augmented audio and 3D video to keep the player immersed and engaged. As it currently stands, that does not exist. Real-time audio personas are restrictive at best, but there's plenty of room for innovation. And uh, as so many moving pieces are happening much faster than any of us probably anticipated. So my question here is for Danny. Uh, there's a huge opportunity here for leveraging sonic identity to expand on diversity and inclusion efforts in virtual communities. How might brands think through regulation maybe in the future of the metaverse to tackle risks like uh, bullying or discrimination? Yeah, absolutely. So brands should start by looking at the sound engineers responsible for creating these auditory experiences to really ensure that it is inclusive from the get-go. And when it comes to regulation, we'll start to see a system of governance in the metaverse that two will need to have diverse representation. So just from a 360 perspective, it's making sure that the right people are in the room and that there is full representation all around. Interesting blending of sonic identity and personal identity. And that when we're trying to create immersive spaces, we have to remember that there are people, real, real human beings in those digital spaces. I, I love that. And I actually, I want to talk about the flip side of Sonic branding too, right? So that's the like the moral and ethical side, maybe. Let's talk about the commercial side a little bit too, because, you know, we're capitalists so, uh, for better or for worse. So if you are a fan of Sex and the City, The Sopranos, Game of Thrones, or Succession, 
Um, you'll know the uh, iconic HBO sound, right? It's that staticky television noise followed by like a chorus of angels to let you know that it's not TV, it's HBO. Um, but fans will also recognize the fanfare that HBO used to play before uh, movies or even the dodoms uh, played before the start of the next program. All of these are Sonic IDs as well. Um, and according to Jason Moldering, who oversees HBO's branding, um, they all needed to be updated for the streaming era. So this is a podcast from uh, Planet Money, actually really, really interesting. I encourage you to listen to it, although it's a bit long. Um, but the, basically when the internet took over the world, sitting down for a movie or a TV show didn't need the same like bombastic noise uh, that HBO had used, right? It became unwieldy. You were going from watching two movies a, you know, uh, a week to watching maybe like one a night or a bunch of TV shows every single night. And suddenly a 90 second over the top with horns uh, intro wasn't necessary. So as NPR points out, we know about other kinds of Sonic branding, right? Netflix does that dun -dun, uh, thing as well, uh, which lasts like just a second, right? HBO Sonic branding had to be updated to match that and to sound honestly less 90s. Um, now the podcast goes through how this was all updated. Um, and what's really interesting ultimately is that music is both the background uh, by which we understand the brand, right? It identifies the brand as being HBO, but it also sets the mood for that immersive experience because in some ways you don't need an Oculus Rift on your head or, or AR glasses to wanna be immersed in media, right? And audio as a signature of the brand of the quality of what you're gonna watch is really important to that. So uh, Danny, um, I'll, I'll ask you, I'll start with you here. Facebook has the pop ding, as they point out here, which is that noise that you get when you get a message on Facebook Messenger. Um, and I guess one question is like, will the brand as they go into the metaverse or really any, uh, any brand need to rethink what their sonic identity is? You know, like does what work as sonic identity on your phone work when you're like in a fully immersive space? Yeah, I mean, obvious statement here, but audio is a huge part of what makes an experience complete. Mm. And I might be dating myself, but remember the dial-up noise for AOL? Sure, that yeah. Is iconic. So the metaverse will surely have its own sounds that are associated with it. Just think about how our smartphones are already reading texts and alerts to people. There will likely be sounds to notify users about metaverse updates while they're not technically in the metaverse, just to let them know that their other world has something that they want to share with them and people will be able to customize that and brands will be leading the way and how to do that to let them know. So um, it, it's definitely going to happen. I think we'll have a new bum bum <laughs> for the metaverse um, that we have to look out for from, from brands. Yeah, I am sure someone is playing around on GarageBand right now at the major tech companies being like, oh God, what is our sonic profile uh, in the metaverse? Okay, let's move on to innovation here because there's a bunch of really cool innovation signals. Although again, we're saving some of the best ones for our CES conversation tomorrow, which you're definitely gonna have to join. Um, now uh, on today's subject, there's I think there's an interesting tension um, between changing the audio in systems we already have versus creating hardware to prime us for a truly immersive experience, right? Uh, that, that's, that's sort of what's going on in many of the innovation signals we're looking at here. And one really cool example of uh, sort of mixing the two of these and taking something standard, but making it new and innovative um, are, are what are called audio glasses, right? So um, writing in Forbes, Mark Sparrow tells us with a, a hefty dose of wonder 
about these emerging quote pairs of spectacles that will have speakers built into them as microphones. Several companies have tried this out and the latest is Soundcore, a well-regarded sub-brand of Anchor, the company that makes cables, power banks, and all matter of computer and phone accessories. Now, Soundcore's frames, he goes on to tell us, um, are a complete system of eyewear uh, that uses Anchor's patented open surround sound system. Uh, it basically has two customized speaker drives in each arm of the pair of glasses. Just slip them on uh, and the frames and you'll begin playing audio that creates quite a convincing soundstage, Sparrow writes. Stephen Yang, who is the CEO of Anchor Innovations, has high hopes for the concept of these, uh, of these frames, saying, quote, up until now, the emerging audio eyewear space had been pretty dull with only limited design choices. With our new Soundcore frames, we hope to reset things, bringing more stylish audio listening experience to the market. So Sparrow's final assessment, and I think this is what's really interesting. The concept's cool. I think we're all kind of into it. Everyone I'm sure on here would want to try out the glasses. And if you wouldn't, tell us why in the LinkedIn comments. Um, but what he writes here, what I thought was really interesting in the, in the product review, saying, I can certainly see the glasses being great idea for video chats, phone calls, listening to audiobook, and giving out voice commands on a smartphone. But he questions its full cultural value. Is it useful beyond this sort of, uh, you know, conversation we're having here on Zoom? So, Matt, I guess my question for you is, where might these take, take off? Is this, is this going to replace the audio guides in museums? Are people going to wear these on hikes or, I don't know, uh, are they meant for like emergency services or, or something? Where might we see the value here beyond just the typical Zoom call for these, um, these audio glasses? Yeah, um, the first thing that came to my head was like, this is a really cool, I don't know, warm tech advancement for me because it's yeah. not fully a VR experience where you have both the sound and things that are in front of your eyes. So I think this can be a really great step forward to uh, adding to our in-person experiences. So I don't know if any of y'all here have watched Hawkeye on Disney Plus, um, but there is this huge inclusion of LARPing, especially here in New York City, where people mm. will go outside and act like they are medieval characters and they fight with one another. So I can see something like this being an additive to that experience where people have uh, sounds that are playing as they are actually interacting with one another in real life. Or think of things like Dungeons and Dragons when people are actually playing with one another in a space and you can have audio that adds to that experience. Um, who knows what type of um, production needs to go into that, but I think it could be really cool to um, really prime people um, outside of the Zoom space into more immersive IRL experiences with a Soundcore device. So real quick, here's what I'm wondering. I'm, I'll, you know what, I'll shoot this one to Devery. Devery, who needs to be more concerned about this? Uh, Beats Audio and the people who want to sell you big headphones or Warby Parker, the people who want to sell you fancy glasses? Wow, well, I will go with Warby Parker because I woke up from a strange dream in which my friend, I had to text him this morning and I was like, you kept bragging about these Warby Parker glasses in my dream. <laughs> and I just have to text you and let you know, it was so obnoxious. I hope you have a good day. But uh, yeah, that's strange. It's meant to so be. So Warby's, Warby's top of mind for you. Hannah, let's get to you real quick. Beats or Warby, who has to worry more about this? I think 
Beats has to worry more about this just because they are right now, you know, big immersive kind of stakeholder, brand stakeholder. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are going to get into this. And I also think it's not going to just be um, for like immersive cultural experiences like museums or or galleries and stuff like that, but also the future of work. I mean, we know um, their Oculus glasses for the future of um, what they consider to be, you know, how we're going to work with one another. So just something to keep in mind this year. Yeah, love that. All right. Well, let's keep moving to some more innovations and we'll go to TikTok. Devery? Yeah, definitely can't talk about audio without t- TikTok, um, especially right now, just um, as we talk about the emergence of sonic ide- identity, um, beauty brands are jumping on the bandwagon. So First Aid Beauty has launched a TikTok uh, campaign that speaks to the importance of sonic identities within the beauty industry. Um, it has a new paid TikTok campaign based on the release of its song called, quote, TikTok Made Me Buy It. Um, it's KP Bump Eraser Body Scrub went viral over the summer when it was highlighted in an unpaid video by creator Wendy Skin, garnering over 35 million views. Uh, TikTok's dominance over beauty marketing has not only ushered in new approaches to content creation, but it's also driving brands to embrace the idea of cre- crafting a sonic identity. Um, We've also seen brands curate Spotify playlists, but since TikTok's algorithm is engineered to allow content to go viral faster and turn brands, creators, and videos into literal overnight successes, uh, sonic identities are becoming a true game changer across industries that benefit from social media presence. So my question, um, Matt, I'm gonna bring you in here. Um, why do you think sonic, sonic brand identity is an avenue worth exploring deeper um, and which industries might benefit more from establishing one through, say, a TikTok song? Yeah, um, well, I think it's important in general because when you think of, especially commercial advertising, having a dinger where people already know that it's you is so important. Um, when I was working in commercial advertising, I was working with my client on establishing a sonic identity for them. And it was it was for an eye care brand, right? So it's like, who would think an eye care brand would need sonic identity but it gives you a step above especially if any brand wants to get into let's say um like amazon echo or something like that where you are able to tell your smart devices to buy something for you and you know that the device is listening in that branded context so it's really important for uh, brands in general to establish something um, that can differentiate itself outside of just the visual cue um, for other um, avenues and especially for TikTok. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think it's just like a sonic dinger, but it's like, how do we bring songs back into um, the reality of um, different brands? So I don't know there's different avenues of sonic identity, whether it be songs or just dingers, but in general, brands need to think about how um, creators can use their sonic identity for iterative creativity. Yeah, I think that's a really good call out too, because, you know, one thing, listen, a lot of immersive technology is really like very advanced and like the average person is not going to join in on it. But we have to remember that what has made social media effective is that it is iterative. And so if you want to have social media that is immersive, whether you're TikTok or Facebook, you have to be, you have to have those platforms to let people iterate in immersive spaces, whether it's the metaverse or just thinking differently about audio. 
Um, well, let's move to the healthcare side of things, because I think this is a really interesting signal about uh, how we're starting to think a, different, a little bit differently about telehealth. Yeah, so this signal comes from Psychiatry Online and says that telehealth is now including audio-only services for mental health and substance use disorders um, in order to improve access for underserved communities. Um, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, called CMS, has expanded the definition of telehealth services that are permanently eligible for reimbursement under the Medicare program to include audio-only services for established patients with mental illness or substance use uh, disorders, SUDs, uh, who are unable or unwilling to use video technology. Quote, the ability to use audio only is critical for providing access to mental health services for people who lack res uh, resources or the skills to use video tech, uh, says Dr. Grayson Norquist, who is a member of the American Psychiatric Association or the APA. Uh, he continues, quote, this increases our capacity to engage and treat those who have been underserved in the past in both rural and urban environments. Another hope here is that with audio-only visits, people may not um, feel the pressure of showing up on a doctor's screen, uh, especially if they are homeless uh, or in a physical condition that is often riddled with stigma and biases, even in a medical professional context. Um, so my question, uh, I will toss this one over to Danny. Um, Danny, do you think that audio-only calls could pick up more widespread adoption uh, for non-marginalized patients? Like, could this just be something that's an industry standard in the future um, and perhaps become the norm one day for any doctor-patient correspondence? Yes, absolutely. I think a lot of people still have a stigma around mental health and discussing it with others and feeling judgment um, from their providers and taking away the element of someone's facial reaction or lack of facial reaction to what they're sharing um, could really help to uh, destigmatize talking about mental health and putting it in a space that feels um, like someone can really be themselves, shares themselves, helps them to focus on listening to what's being said to them as well. So I do think that it will be more widespread. It makes it more accessible to people all around and it removes that added element of, uh, of judgment of mm -hmm. you know, what you look like. Well, yeah. there was that tweet that was going, there was that tweet that was going around that was like, therapy isn't about being fixed, it's about being your therapist's favorite patient, <laughs> uh, which is obviously not true. Um, Danny, I wanted to push you a little bit on that because I think my, so I think this is really interesting. My question is, does this mean that we're going to see more of like the calm and, uh, you know, some of those like, uh, some of those, those therapy apps, are we going to see them go into the uh, the metaverse and immersive uh, technology spaces? Or like is Aetna and Humana and, and Cigna, are they going to start to play here as well? I mean, who, who do you imagine being the first movers um, in this audio mental health service space? I think it's going to be health tech for sure. I think that Cigna and Aetna um, and Blue Cross Blue Shield do not have the capacity for uh, for the metaverse at this time, um, but we're already starting to see it. There is a VR uh, mental health service 
um, called Ray that's based out of Austin, Texas. And what they've seen is huge success in people coming back um, time after time for their sessions, showing up, participating, and reporting positive change in their life based off of um, a metaverse VR therapy experience that has nothing to do, like they're not even choosing an avatar in this scenario, um, but they're being guided by a voice through different experiences uh, in terms of meditations or uh, coping mechanisms and things like that. So I think we're going to start to see a lot more of that pop up as opposed to the traditional healthcare providers mm -hmm. uh, doing more in that space. And there might be um, they might be brought in as far as like, can I expense this through <laughs> my HSA yeah. or FSA? And that might provide another headache that will require more mental health services. Uh, but I do think that it'll be more in the startup realm. Right. I will say if you are a giant healthcare company and you want to learn more about the metaverse, you know, call us. <laughs> um, let's move into our final single. I felt like we had to have, we had to talk a little bit about the brief and wondrous reign of Clubhouse if we were talking about immersive audio. So, so Jeffrey, what did we, what did we learn from uh, the, the three weeks the whole world was on Clubhouse? <laughs> yeah, Forbes takes us into our next signal here uh, that sends its condolences to the drop-in audio app Clubhouse. Uh, the article's title says it was fun while it lasted. And that's enough right there, right? Um, when an app rises in popularity so fast and everyone's talking about how fun it is to hold an interactive panel discussion over audio chat, it's a moment you don't wanna miss. Um, for me personally, it was pretty cool to go to culture or country specific group chats that welcomed outsiders with open arms and I would just come in and, and listen and admire you know, genuine local conversation with people who might be oceans away from my actual physical location. Um, during the thick of the pandemic, when everything was closed down and before vaccines were available, Clubhouse was reminiscent of traveling outside of the country, popping into a pub or a cafe where all the cool locals hung out and chatted with friends. You hear the accents, you figure out their sense of humor, you become curious to try whatever it is they've tried uh, the night before. And for me, it built anticipation and excitement around the places I wanted to visit once the world opened back up. Uh, for others, it served as an educational uh, forum to get real-time advice about, say, which you know lens and lighting were needed to shoot that kind of photo for a magazine cover, et cetera. Um, once the world started open ba opening back up, however, drifting away from the app was inevitable. The declining numbers are proof that audio alone would not be enough to hold people's attention for long. Um, going back to a previous signal point, you know, audio only uh, digital personas are restrictive at best, and there will have to be some added component to pull something like Clubhouse users back in. Uh, mm. So my question actually for Ben, I recall you did not download Clubhouse during the height of the pandemic and I'll assume you were one of those people baking a lot of like banana bread or something. <laughs> uh, for you, what sort of audio app model would have piqued your interest and why was Clubhouse not it? Uh, did it did it simply capitalize on our, you know, work from home Zoom fatigue? Uh, mm. Or, you know, was it just uh, simply because it took uh, the faces of, of the screen, uh, the, the uh, faces on the screens out and it removed that element of a digital persona or personality. 
Um, well, love that question. And let me start by saying I was not the baker type. I actually was, I worked on my Chinese food cooking skills. Uh, that was my culinary project. But, um, you know, I'm actually going to tag this to something that our, our CSO Camilo LaCruz said uh, yesterday on our briefing about how all of the business bets we're seeing, if we're looking for a real through line here, and we're going to see this at, you know, throughout the month, it's that a lot of these business bets and these innovations, the ones that we think are going to come through are ones that have just a sense of humanity to them, right? That are less about technological innovation and are less about who can drive the most revenue, but more about where do people feel welcome? Where do people feel like they can express themselves? And I think Clubhouse, I think you're totally right. I think it was there for people at a weird time. Um, it doesn't disprove the value of, of social audio or immersive audio, but what it did do is say like, hey, the fundamental access here, the fundamental thing that this gives people is, is a human moment to interact with people, to talk with people, and to have a little bit of serendipity, um, and that was something we really needed. So it's a, while, it, while it's time may never return, it's lessons about making sure that uh, audio experiences prioritize the human are, are definitely worth thinking about. Okay, our first in other news of the uh, of the year. So obviously we're still digesting every 2022 trends article. You're, you're literally in an immersive one, right? Um, and one thing that has a lot of energy in 2022 appears to be the beverage and spirits sector. So mushroom tea, obviously huge. And you're uh, apparently gonna be drinking a lot of fancy baiju and amaretto sours in equal measure. That sounds like a hell of a hangover. But let's not forget that the king of trendy beverages right now is obviously plant-based milks. Now, Paste here uh, is eager to tell us about a new and potentially, uh, I don't know, vile uh, entrance into the space, potato milk. Um, quote, according to food experts, potato milk isn't just a sustainable dairy-free option, but offers a tasty, creamy flavor. Not only uh, that, but this new milk alternative is low in sugars and saturated fats. Uh, that is until you throw like a heaping amount of sour cream in it. Uh, its sustainability credentials come from the fact that potatoes uh, use around half the land um, it takes to grow the equivalent amount of oats. So maybe I'm wrong. Um, I will point out two things here. First of all, we already have practically something called potato milk. It is Vichy Soie's soup. It is the only decent thing. It is the only positive bit of, of, of cultural branding for the town of Vichy. And you can Google World War II if you're interested in what I'm saying there. But I do think there is a really big opportunity here for one specific brand, right? And I'm going to call them out. Budweiser, this is really important for you. You guys need to get your hands on some potato milk, brew it into a beer, and use the tagline, this spuds for you. I'm clapping for my own joke. Um, <laughs> that's going to take us through the briefing for the day. A big shout out. Uh, to Devry, Matt, Danny, and to Hannah. Um, tomorrow we have our CES coverage. It's gonna be really, really interesting. There is a ton to talk about. So definitely make sure to join us for that. If you're interested in Q, the cultural intelligence platform we use to build today's briefings, please feel free to reach out. Uh, we would love to give you a demo of it. Uh, whether we're talking about immersive technology or potato milk, it's there for all of your questions. As you know, you can join us Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on our at noon on uh, New York time on our LinkedIn page. While you're there, jump in the comment section, let us know your take on immersion, the value of human-centric UX, and every other topic we're going to talk about uh, for the next uh, month as we go through uh, all of this uh, amazing content. So until tomorrow, consider yourselves briefed.